right, welcome back to the Golden Godcast. I think you guys are going to like this one today. He is Filipino-born, New Zealand-raised, Bachelor of Anthropology holder, 400-metre sprint king, competitive orienteer, property developer, Tekken 5 ninth Dan, everyone's favourite Qantas cabin crew member, winner of Australian Survivor Season 2, The Cookie Monster, Jerry Malabonga. Thank you. Thanks for having me, David. Dude, it's great to talk to you. <laughs> and like you said before we started recording, this is probably going to be the longest conversation we've actually had. Yeah, mate, that was a legit. I think we've had maybe five minutes of convo in the entire game that I played with you. <laughs> it wasn't. There wasn't much chance on All Stars, was there, bud? No, bro. I. You know what? I was like, is this guy sussing me out? Because <laughs> I'm not going to give him anything. You know, I was definitely sussing you out. And the thing is, though, bro, I think everybody wanted. I mean, the whole of Australia wanted to wanted us to work together. I think that was the thing. I know. I felt bad disappointing them. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> but not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you, man? How's things going with this whole COVID business? Because you're pretty involved with that due to uh, Qantas flying people back and you're actually in quarantine right now, correct? Yeah, man. So basically um, with Qantas, um, working really close with, you know, flipping the government and how they're trying to make sure they can bring back the stranded Australians back home. Um, I've become really involved in that. And obviously it's all voluntary um, because they know how much risks are involved. And I don't know. I just feel like we're all in this really weird situation. And I know that people are terrified, but there are far more people that are more terrified, like overseas that they can't even get home. They can't even say stay home, save lives. Mm. They're still stuck out there, you know? And well, dude, is how is it for you being on those flights? Like you're trying to do your job, but is it actually kind of scary when you're bringing people back? Like have you been transporting people that are COVID positive or is it basically just Aussies who are stranded trying to get back into Australia? Yeah, I mean, it's a mix of both, to be honest. And that is pretty scary because, you know, we're not frontline workers. We're just crew that operates in a plane. But uh, there has to be someone that has to step up and, I don't know. I feel like I'd rather do something productive than be at home um, and, you know, be on that job keeper, getting the same pay, but not doing anything. So I was like, this is an opportunity for me to step up and I don't know, give back to the nation. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not Australian at all, but I just feel like there's families out there. I don't know if the, to be in their position and being in a country where the prime minister or their government has um, you know, it's not going to support the tur- tourist people that are stuck there. I just feel like it'd be so much more scarier. So, mm. you know, I put my hand up for it. Dude, you're a brave lad. Are they giving you guys extra training for that stuff? Are they telling you like, look, just don't touch your face and you'll be fine? <laughs> or is it kind of like some little briefing they give you? Yeah, I mean, like you think about it, like when we rock up there, it's not normal procedures we're not randomly asking them oh would you like some tea or coffee on the way it's minimal contact so um yeah we legit just give them the basic meal um but in terms of like premium service we don't even give them teas or coffee we don't um we don't have a chat with them um they don't even have the freedom to walk around and stretch out they stay in that one seat even though it may be like 90 percent of the aircraft completely uh free they just stay in that one seat to minimize, you know, contacting every material that's inside the aircraft. How bizarre. 
And then what do they mm. say say to you about like breathing that air because it's recycled air, right? Like are you guys just yeah. trying to breathe as little as possible, like one breath a minute? So, okay, um, I actually have a, a charter flight coming up to mm. India, um, to New Delhi. And basically when it comes to these kind of flights, these are places that we don't necessarily fly to and there's no Australian border force there. So we bring in Australian border force teams in the aircraft and even – um, doctors, if they know that they're going to bring in a positive um, corona person, and um, they they basically turn the premium economy into a hospital almost. And when we do have a positive person coming in, we have no control and power in the aircraft. The border force takes over, and same with the doctors, and they're the one that ends up dealing with the passengers in terms of food everything and we just we're just primarily the people that operates the emergency doors but that's about it do they give you any kind of protective gear like extra protective gear like are you in a space suit what are they giving you <laughs> yeah i mean we have surgical masks we have um your your gloves and then um like millions of sanitization um equipments um we have um you know, those full-on body, um, what do they call them, um, scrubs that you have? Yeah. Um, or flights like that because, yeah, you don't know what you're really coming into. So we do get the protection and um, they do go through three health screenings now when it comes to entering the the security um, customs area. So they've got the questionnaire where, you know, people can still lie. But then there's the second one where they um, have the temperature thing with the gun. Yeah, and the yeah. third one is medical um person who assesses them physically before they even board crazy man so they're really like they're not giving you that much stuff to protect yourself yeah and you know what that was the thing so um i'm not sure if i even should be saying this but Qantas obviously was wanting to have a 180 to volunteer across um brisbane melbourne sydney perth of the 15,000 that's been stood down, mm. they couldn't even get that. They could only get about 50 across, like, the whole of Australia. Well, that's um, because you're basically volunteering to contract the coronavirus, bro. Correct. And a lot of people's argument, which I completely res- – like, I respect everyone's decisions because they are fair, you know. And, you know, people say it is technically a risky mission, so why would Qantas put their people into a rescue mission that's supposed to be for – um, you know, the militaries, they do the rescuing and mm. um, they even get looked after well and better, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I guess um, we are in this random situation where it's evolving every day. And I think everyone's just doing their bit to help. And I know that Qantas is put in this opportunity to contribute. And um, I think one person who puts their hand up is one extra flight that can get a family home and that's one less family that is scared. And that's how I've come to terms with it. My only condition was that I um, had the op- you know, had an option to separate myself from my family because I still am concerned about yes, people's health. Um, I wasn't careless in my decision. I wasn't just going, mm, yeah, let's do it. I want to go fly somewhere. I was thinking yeah. about my family, thinking about my friends that – I could potentially put at risk. So I was like, as long as you separate myself from them, I'm I'm happy to volunteer. Well, you're a hero, my friend. It's much appreciated. 
Uh, and they're, they're, so basically to keep you separated from your family, you are doing a two-week quarantine every time you come back into the country and staying in a hotel? Yeah, so it restarts every time I do a shift. Um, yeah. And so um, I've actually had, it's almost like my 14th day, but they're going to call me out for, a, you know, the New Delhi flight um, soon. So, Man. and then after that, we restart. Yeah. And that's the hotels aren't operating in a normal capacity either, right? They're actually kind yeah. of like low capacity operate like operating on a on a lower level. It's not like you you're in a nice hotel living it up in that two weeks, mm. is it? Correct. Um, so Qantas has been super awesome. They put me on kind of like an apartment where mm. uh, you, you do have your laundry and um, you know kitchen where you're able to do those basic things. You basically so- put it outside your room and they just set it on fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah mate that <laughs> but they're they're looking after you though is what we'd like to hear yeah and that's like i think uh Qantas has been given a bad rep and also like i feel like they just need a bit more credit you know and i think um from someone who's experienced on this side of it um i think they've supported me and um yeah actually helped me out throughout this whole thing as i've decided to volunteer and they're helping out a lot of Australians too by being able to bring them back into the country, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's such a tough time for the travel industry, bro. Mm-hmm. You can't please everybody, bro, especially on these kind of things. And it's funny, like you see people um, when fear enters into their realm, um, people either fight or flight. And it's it's really interesting as like when you see people or individuals respond in these kind of like situations. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? I was listening to a psychologist that was talking about how the mental impact of COVID-19 is in some ways going to be harder to recover from than the actual physical impact of the virus because people are so stressed. Wow, yeah, man. I mean, like I even hearing that, that just so like fascinating because um, we are like, you know, we put people stress on like mental illness and um, how it's really big nowadays and even having this, you know, it's not going to just impact like everyone uh, mentally, but financially and how that's going to put a stress in the family. Yeah, yeah. Lots to worry about, unfortunately. Lots to worry about. But I'm glad to hear you're doing your part, man, and big respect. Cheers, my man. Uh, so anyway, let's dive back into some Survivor stuff because I'm sure that's what a lot of people are tuning into this one to listen to. Do you want to tell me a little bit about your season two journey? Like what gets you started on the Survivor trip? Are you a massive Survivor fan? Are you coming at this from a place of like, oh, I'll have a crack or were you like watching every single season, like waiting for your chance? Yeah, bro. Like honestly, if you ask any of my mates who I grew up with, they know how much of a big Survivor fan I was and still am. Um, I watched it since season one in America and um, like was followed it religiously. And um, anyways, um, I rocked up to Australia and I saw that there was an opportunity. Um, I actually applied for season one, made it through to um, Skype round and um, got rejected. Eh? But I actually think that mm. it was the perfect it was a perfect timing for me to get into season two because um, I think I wouldn't wouldn't have been ready to be honest, mentally, physically, everything. But my bro, I think I would have like just wasted a season then. What was your What was your platform on that first application? Were you just like, "Hey, I'm Jerry. 
I like Savannah. <laughs> I, or- think were, I think I got that right on the money because I what, there was no plan or anything like that. Yeah. I just thought, man, what an opportunity to apply, and you know, like. American Survivor was strictly only for American citizens. Like yeah. it was so out of reach. I I grew up in New Zealand, so I was like, never ever am I going to be in America and get a chance to apply. And then when I found out Australian Survivor was happening, I was like, what the? No way. Hmm. Um, yeah, and so I just you went were in there. Australia when you applied, correct? Yeah. So yeah. I had only get this right. I only had moved into Australia maybe like it was my second year. Yeah. Um, in, in living in Australia, and um, I saw an ad that came up, and I was like, mate, should apply for that. This would be so cool. And obviously, it didn't happen. I ended up getting Qantas instead, and it was actually the perfect time for me to learn more about myself and, um, you know, become more mature. And, you know, me being able to travel around the world for a whole year before I applied for the next one and successfully get it. I, that actually helped a lot, my man. And that's so, that is that kind of why you were saying you didn't feel like you were mentally ready to play season one. You were kind of happy that it didn't happen because you got that experience from being from traveling and and more life experience. Huge, bro. And I'm not. I mean, you would probably know this exactly the same. Like you being able to travel for your work and modeling, um, you know, overseas and stuff um, opens your eyes, man. To, oh man, expand your you, mind. Yeah, exactly, bro. And like even meeting people um, that you you would never have met and like just the culture differences and, um, mate, I just feel like I, I was rich in those kind of experiences and yeah. it was so important and valuable for me to bring into table when it got to the time I was on the island and it really helped me out, man. Traveling just teaches you so much stuff, huh? Yeah, huge, huge. Yeah. I think it's a big mind opener, but I think it teaches you how to um, respond well in uncertain situations, how to relate to people. In some ways, like a lot of traveling really sets you up well for playing Survivor. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, like, tell what do you think? What do you feel like your modeling experience, or well, at least that career, has um, helped you be able to relate to people yeah, well, look, I, I had it from I, – I think a lot of the fashion business, a lot of my modeling career is interacting with people, especially people I haven't met, becoming like instantly likable, learning how to interact with people to make them like you, to work with them, those kind mm-hmm. of things. But being able to travel and just seeing people's different perspectives gives you a window into different cultures, into different people, into the way people think what they need, how they feel. And I think when you haven't had those experiences from not being able to travel, you can be kind of closed-minded and you don't really understand how those dynamics, how those things really work. So I always feel like whenever I find someone or meet someone, I'm like, this guy's a bit closed-minded. I just feel like a little bit of traveling would (laughs) – and obviously not everyone (laughs) is in a – Here's the thing though. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like so, I mean, um, I I guess this might be like a stereotype, but – your industry is very ruthless, right? So you also totally. meet the most like, um, you know, the crazies of the crazer, crazies and also like the most savage people. And in Survivor, you meet with people that are so, you know, um, how do you put it? Dickheads? <laughs> and, and how- <laughs> to put it delicately. Yeah, and how do you like... Um, adjust to that or adapt to these people without, you know, um, you know, crossing 
um, them at all well, to a point where they vote you out. That's the game, isn't it? That's it's figuring that out. Just yeah. just and tolerance. Like, I think traveling also gives you a lot of tolerance. You know, tolerance yeah. for being held up at an airport, having to wait in an airplane, tolerance for someone losing your luggage, figuring out like how to order stuff when you don't speak the language, like getting by like that, you know? And I had so many people that I I am so grateful that my tolerance level is like, you know, pretty good because there were some people out there in season two that I just did not. <laughs> and I mean, am I, I'm not sure if we're allowed to say people's name, but hey, like. Name names, Jerry. Name names. <laughs> <laughs> Love you to bits, Jax, but Jackie, man, like, <laughs> there were moments she would touch me in the middle of the night and it would be raining <laughs> and she would go, oh, you're, you're so dry, I'm soaking wet. And I'm, and I'm telling her, everyone's wet, Jackie, everyone's <laughs> wet. Uh, and she goes, no, you're in the driest spot of the tent. And I'm like, oh, look, you can oh, sit dear. in my spot my dry spot, which was soaking wet as well. And this was during a time where we had like a cyclone, my man, and it would go for like three days nonstop. And um, and sh she got to the point where she just got it on everyone's nerves. And we knew she was going to get voted out at some point. <laughs> the but it, perfect it, casting. It was great, man. It was the point where, I mean, <laughs> at the same time, though, you kind of go, oh, is it? is it good for my game to get rid of her now or, or do I try and like hold like my temper and just tolerate this? And mm. yeah, and that's the point because sometimes timing was really important and your emotions could be the decider for your, you know, trajectory of your game. Um, oh, totally. And yes, lots of things where you had to hold back and, um, you know, that's the same thing that you have in life. You know, there's so many passengers that totally does my head in, but I can't just, you can't just tell them to, you know, shut the F up during a 15-hour flight. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would go down an absolute treat, I bet. Yeah. I mean, how do you escape that? You're stuck in this this big tin. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and you can't do it on the first five minutes at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. Definitely not. There must be there must be some people on that on those flights though that just man drive you absolutely nuts, and you got to be smiling and nice, right? Yeah, bro, and so many colorful personalities. That's how I can put it, man. <laughs> colorful personalities, just like yeah. on Survivor. <laughs> That's very politically correct, Jerry. I like that. So, how actually did you end up uh, working for Qantas, mate? Like, you moved to Australia. Mm. And then were you just kind of like, I think this would be an interesting job? Or were you like, I always, I want to travel. I want to, you know, be working for Qantas. Like, how did that actually come to pass? Well, actually, um, I was heavily involved um, with my church. And I was, um, you know, like a youth leader there and everything. In New Zealand. I never tried to I was a youth leader. But, you know, I, I was really involved in it. Mm. And, like, um, actually, youth work was, like, probably one of my biggest passions. Um, but, um, obviously, you know, I, I was working in after school care, which is with younger kids. Um, but I was wanting to do something with like teenagers because with the church that I was really involved with, I felt like my, I had a big heart and a calling for that. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then I had this massive point where I felt like God was calling me to 
step outside of my zone and um and there's this part in you know um in Psalms where he talks about David like you know he was on his knees and he was in his in the wilderness and he was like crying out to God and um that was the point where he felt the most closest to God and um there was a point where one night I woke up and I felt like I needed to be my own wilderness yeah but there was a big point where God had like basically you know had questioned me and challenged me and he said would you still follow me if I took away your church that you you know you you're solely you know planted on and your friends and your family you know um that you've been growing up with and living with um and I took all those pillars away would you still follow me and it was crazy because that question to me is like whoa like I don't know you know and I think God is more than all of those pillars yeah um, and so when I moved to Australia I felt like um it was kind of a sense of like my wilderness in a sense and I didn't know nobody um here in Australia my family had moved in here years ago but I didn't live with them mm. um and you know I didn't have a job I finished a degree that I didn't end up using and I was like shoot man like this is tough like I I legit don't even have a church here I don't have I legit kind of like left my friends and it was really hard man and it, i think the first year i was just jobless and um but one thing that i had had noticed was that every time i was at the airport um it was almost like every time i saw it it was like a portal for families reuniting or families departing and seeing like that there's a story behind all of that and i was like whoa that's so interesting and I love that kind of thing. And anyways, I kind of pursued the airline industry. And next thing you know, I just caught myself at working for Qantas. And yeah, man, like, and ever since then, it's been four years now. And since then, I've just, man, I love seeing people. I'm a people watcher and I like watching such a creep, eh? But <laughs> like, I love <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but yeah, like legit, list, like just watch people at the um, airport and at the departing gate. And it's so interesting. Like there's stories behind that and the tears that they shared, you know, it's it's cool, man. I like that. Do you think that interest gives you a good ability when it comes to reading people? Um, I mean, I hope that it, it's like helped me out, eh? But even, even that, eh? Like um, I guess... I try to paint a story behind all of the things that I'm watching and um and I don't know I just I guess I kind of I I've got a big imagination and even when I was before I went on Survivor I imagined being on Survivor and I would play in my head how it how it all go out with my friends I'd be like oh this is how it would go and I'd always put I'd always imagine that it would be me that would win and it would I'd, I'd play these idols and mm. like blindside people and, <laughs> and and I guess that like takes a mat like you know that imag imagination in my head is like this thing that um always goes around my head when I see people I suppose yeah how interesting what did you study at university um, I studied anthropology, which is a study of people, like you know. Um, which is, <laughs> so there you go, man. I, I there you go. Like Luke calls himself a creep, but honestly, like I don't know. I think people interest me, man. It's so fascinating. Well, I think that definitely helped your survivor game, bro. 
I mean, I mean, I have not using my <laughs> degree to be honest. But well, I mean, <laughs> technically, you have, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, like for the show. Yeah. But um, career-wise, it, I just, uh, I mean, it was awesome to understand. But everybody knows that when you get a a, a bachelor of arts degree in anything, it's just knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> knowledge, and hanging out at yeah. the tavern. Uh, all right. So, what do you think was the biggest difference between your season one application, which failed, and then your season two application? You did you just feel like being able to travel around? You had a better experience. Did you change your application at all? Was it something like? Tell us about that application video. Is it available online? Your application video, by the way. Um, no, it's not. But I do have a video of it. Um, mm, and maybe it was try that up there. yeah, I should. Um, like yeah, it was just literally. Me and season one, I had no real um, video in it. It was purely just me um, talking to the camera and um, me trying to apply for it. Whereas this time, I think I was a lot more planned out and I had a structure into what I wanted to say without being like, you know, like a robot. I just said, this is what I want to do. And, um, and the kind of personally personality I had, and how much I can bring to the um, show. Did you um, do any fan- anything fancy on the video, mate, or did you basically just talk to the camera and be like, "Hey, I'm Jerry. I'm blah, my flight attendant. Yeah. And I've done this and that." Or, well, I mean, like I wasn't doing like backflips or twerking or nothing like that. You know, Ooh. I mean, I mean, some people different show. <laughs> but I legit, no, I legit just um, just talked on the. Um, to my phone and I also just um, talked about how I was able to get to Qantas and like how I basically mastermind them because there's requirements to get to Qantas. You have to be a certain height. I wasn't a certain height. I actually put like these soles on my foot um, and then put wore my socks because I had a feeling that they were yeah. going to take my shoes off and then measure me then. So I was like, <laughs> and, um, and because you have to be 163 centimeters, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was one, I know I'm like 158. So I put these insoles. And on top of that, I um, wore these tall man shoes. I know it's so embarrassing. You're like New Zealand Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then I got to the, um, to, to the interview. They were like, okay, um, time to, you know, measure you guys. They took off my shoes. Oh, like, they actually t- measured you guys up? Yeah. They, were you just sweating of- bullets at this point? <laughs> yeah, man. And that was the first part. They, they didn't even get up to the point where, you know, like they asked me questions. That was the first stage. I was like, damn it. And then so I was like, lucky I have these insoles that's inside my socks. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, and, I'm imagining and, one of those scenarios where it's like two kids trying to sneak into an R-rated movie wearing a trench coat. <laughs> These people trying to get into the Survivor editions. Yeah, bro, and that was that was me. I was already playing Survivor in real yeah. life, man. Now, <laughs> so like, this bit was easy. Yeah, bro, and then anyways, I um, they measured me, and um, they were like, "And 159." I was like, "What?" So I didn't. <laughs> Still didn't make the height requirement. Oh, no. I was like, Dip. they ripped you off. But anyways, they just let me off, and I think they must have liked my personality or something because I must have did something right. Um, yeah, and I got through. Anyways, yeah, that was my only way of 
trying to get through. That was my way of being a mastermind. Didn't pull through, but look, look at me. I'm four years now. I'm still in Qantas. <laughs> Dude, that's so good. And then, there, so you didn't make it the first time. You didn't make it through to the to the interview round or to the uh, round where they actually bring you in and measure you, right? That didn't happen at all the first time. It's just you put in the application and then never heard anything back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's like a lot of people, you know, if you didn't get in the first time, you should definitely try again because yeah, you might just that- win Australian Survivor. Yeah. I mean, did you apply for any other seasons or was did you only no. just – no, I, I didn't. I didn't have to apply. I went and I had a face-to-face uh, meeting with the lovely head producer, uh, cool. and then it all kind of went from there. Yeah, but man, I get a, I get a lot of people asking about the interview process, how to get on the show, uh, what to do in those videos, because I've heard yeah. like mixed things where people just sit there and kind of like talk about what they're planning on doing, <laughs> and others where people, you know, like Tarzan shoots a flaming arrow into a. <laughs> bottle of kerosene or whatever he did he did on his you know yeah yeah so that's but, that's how that goes and then dude what are you what are you feeling that first time when you get land on the beach in season two and you're, you're out there you guys were on a boat if i recall correctly right yeah oh can i just say bro i actually mm. think that my season i don't know maybe i'm biased or any, whatever but i reckon our season legit had the best of everything Oh, we had the best intro. Season, we we had the best like ending. We had the the first season where we got to do a live, and it worked out super amazing. There was no coronavirus that affected you know everyone's attendance oh, no. or anything like that. <laughs> so, bro, we legit had the best best finished from the start. You got the, the full experience, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's well. I yeah. Right at the beginning, bro. That whole thing where we were in the barge it was the coolest scenario because Mm. we were in the rain and that set everything up i was like holy crap what did i set myself into that was the first hour and it just kept going and obviously they were like filming they wanted these great shots but it went for ages it went for like hours and hours and um I was and the weather myself, was not nice over there, right? Either. Mate, it wasn't, and because we were, Samoa was I'm a not nightmare sure. from what I've heard from multiple sources. Yeah, it was. It was a really, really bad start. Like the first two weeks, at least, it was just um, constantly raining, and it was an aftermath of a cyclone from another island, and we didn't know until they had told us like a few days later. I'm like, oh, yeah. great! Like, Crazy. Thanks for you know the water was like rising up, and it had got to the point where it reached our camp and it had, you know, taken down a, um, um, a fire and everything and washed away a lot of our clothes. It took away Luke's um, shoes, water shoes and um, his, his clothes and everyone's basically. And we were just like, what the hell? What is happening? And, yeah, um, and that's when I realized this is amazing. This is real Survivor. And I didn't know anything of it. I just thought, look, this – I guess this is what it means to play Survivor. But then I've now I've played for a second time and to experience that the first couple of days, I mean, I was only there for five days, like you blinked and I was gone. But I um, legit, like that was five days of just, you know, paradise. I didn't even, we didn't even really get rain or anything. Yeah, living the dream yeah. for that first part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, until I got the, you know. Bastard. Well, for, any, for anyone that is is listening to this podcast, because um, 
of myself and season four or possibly all stars uh, and hasn't watched season two, you definitely should watch season two of Australian Survivor because it's my favorite season of Australian Survivor. Uh, Luke Toki's on there. If you're a Luke Toki fan, you guys have to go and watch that. Jerry, of course, is on there. And spoiler alert, wins season two. But it's just such a great season, man. It was great to watch. And I've heard just so many nightmare stories about the weather. And you guys were like really doing it tough. Yeah, and... Um, it's so funny because I, I think of your season, likewise, is my favorite um, because of purely the cast. Like, I love the cast that you guys played with and it you guys enjoyed cast. We did. Amazing I mean, I, I, All Stars is obviously my favorite season <laughs> for 500 oh, yeah, reasons, 500,000 reasons. Um, actually, I was going to ask you, obviously, mm. I mean, yeah, you won in that season, so, um, but... If I got to ask you, would you be more satisfied winning in your first season or All-Stars and why? I, I'm going to say All-Stars purely because everyone had played before. So there's no excuses to anyone being like naive to the game, to what they did, you know, like to how the game works. Everyone playing knew what the deal was. They knew the game yeah. and, you know, I won. So it, I, I feel like that it's hard for me to say... I wanted to win more. I wanted to win so bad on season four. But to be honest, Jerry, and I'll ask if, if this impacted you as well. Like for me, that first time I played, I, thinking about the half million bucks just never entered my mind, even up until basically I got blindsided and was walking out and I was like, whoa, I actually was kind of close. I came 10th here. Like I was mm -hmm. kind of close to that. Whereas for me playing All-Stars, it was just at the forefront of my mind all the time. Like I have invested so much time into this game, so much of my life into this game, and there's a chance I'm going to walk away with nothing. It's not happening. Like I'm winning that money. Yeah, because, okay, here's – like, I mean, that's so interesting to hear from your point of view because um, winner to winner, yeah, we're completely – like winner to winner. Yeah, to, to, we're completely switched up the experience. I experienced mm. the win – for the first time and then to play for a second time, I experienced a huge loss, like completely, you know, just it was really bad. And and then, you know, I wanted to know um, your experience from feeling the loss first and then winning it for a second time. And, and how does that feel for you? Um, do you feel like it was it, it, like the journey was uh, – you know, like a fairy tale ending more so or what? I mean, what I, you, I think in a way, but it, it was also kind of for me the validation of my game, you know, and somebody who I consider myself a pretty big move maker and, and I really wanted to prove that you can play a bit of a crazy big move game and still win in Australian Survivor because it's always such a long game. It's such a long play that game. And I wanted to just be able to do crazy stuff which I made sure I focused on in the first half of the game before Merge and then toned a lot of that stuff down into Merge, obviously, and tried to flip that around a little bit. Whereas like with uh, season four, I felt like things were getting crazier and crazier as it was going for me, as I was like learning about the game and all that kind of stuff. But the first time I got voted out, I, mentally I was a bit of a wreck, but I think one thing that kind of salvaged my blind side was that Luke hadn't flipped on me. He didn't know about that move. So I I could hang yeah. my hat on the fact that like, well, my actual ally, 
uh, didn't flip on me. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, especially the first time they play. They've gotten super close to someone that's like totally stabbed them in the back. And it's a bit of a mental mind warp, you know. Uh, and yeah. I didn't actually have that. Like, I really kind of was in the game being like, oh, don't trust people. But I definitely got sucked into trusting like Pierre and Abby and Janine and like Simon, yeah, you yeah. know. I totally got sucked into that. I don't think I ever really truly trusted the contenders, but purely just because I hadn't had that same uh, bonding experience with them as I had with the guys on the Champions Tribe. And whilst I was, um, you know, betraying people, I really had directed most of my wrath towards the contenders on everything. Like I never actually betrayed anyone from the Champions Tribe. I was planning on it and I had planted the seeds to do that on many occasions wanting to do that like i wanted to betray janine at one point with simon so there was a lot of that stuff going on but it never really eventuated so then for me to get betrayed by all those people betray is probably the wrong word because it's it's a game it sounds so serious when you say betray but for me to get um booted the way i did from those guys who i hadn't had a chance to betray yet i think if luke had been on board for that blind side then i would have been in major mental yeah. mental distress but lukey and i you know had played super tight and him not doing that to me like i could you know i could i could ratify it yeah um, and even hearing you say that and how much emotions are involved even though everyone says you know you got to play logical and you got to remove your you know emotions to a side there is so much emotions that are involved in it or even the aftermath of this, of an elimination or, a, you know, vote off. Oh, yeah. And uh, there has to be to make it an interesting game, bro. You know, like I think if there weren't any emotions, and I'm someone that can separate emotions quite well, but if you don't have those emotions to be able to play with, to use as tools, I just think the whole premise of the game, like, is destroyed. Yeah. And, and in retro retrospect, you know, I watched you play the second time round. You know, I feel like I was more of a, um, watcher than a participant to be honest but I watched this whole thing and I, I saw how incredibly well you positioned yourself in the way that you were willing to sacrifice anyone in your alliance anyone. <laughs> and, and, and it worked so well sounds and, so sinister Jerry yeah, and it was amazing, bro, because these people that were re who really, really trusted you, like, I'm pretty sure they said that you were their person. Well, look, I've said in a couple of other interviews, I think that the relationships people had formed outside of the game and in the time that had transpired between them playing was something I was concerned about going into the game. I was really worried about those relationships. I was like, that is going to be the biggest problem for me going into All-Stars. And it actually ended yeah. up being my biggest advantage going into All-Stars. Because yeah, there's right. no history for me with anyone. I never really felt like I left the game. I was playing season four. I had a six-week turnaround. I'm in All-Stars. Like mentally, I never left the game. It was almost just like this <laughs> continuation to be able to be like, all right, well, reset. It's like second chance draw. Here you go, but straight into a fresh game. And I didn't really – I had some relationships obviously with um, the guys from season four, but we hadn't had four years to become serious friends like a lot of the yeah. people from season one, three years for season two. You know, you guys had real time to like make real relationships. And I also feel like that your win makes it so much more sweeter just because you didn't have that advantage of having, um, you know, friendships 
that were formed that could help you out in the in the game because let's be honest like two or three friends in a tribe is two or three votes extra do you know what i mean um that are voting um in a cluster and i feel like when you had one i just felt like you know you, you this wasn't depending on past relationships you legit had just had eight weeks to recover and go back in and i think that it was it was just really nice to watch someone who was going in there with nothing but pure strategy and how you could maneuver around those relationships that was already formed so that was pretty cool well thanks man i appreciate it um and then just kind of going uh, back to your experience again. say again i'm not, I'm not going to give you a big hit um, no please do <laughs> I can't. Uh, let's talk about that actually. Go on, I wanna, Jerry. I let's talk you, about right, it more. Let's because I'm not waiting for another hour because <laughs> an, like, legit, we didn't even have five minutes. You couldn't even give me five <laughs> minutes on the game. So why should I wait for another hour until you ask me that moment? Because oh, I'm going to ask you. Don't worry, I'm going to ask you. No, seriously, you okay? What was going in your head? Because I I want to tell you what what was going in my head, but I want to hear from your point of view when we sat down next to that log and you were like, come Jerry, let's have a little chat. All right. Here what is my it? recollection of the conversation. And you can, <laughs> you can tell me how much of this you remember like this. So we sit down on the, on the, on the thing. And I, I cause I'd been trying to figure you out and, and how we fit together because obviously of the pressure from Luke, you know, of course. And, yes. I was trying to figure out whether that was a good thing for my game, bad thing for my game, and I felt like on about on day one, I had a f- pretty good feel of the tribe split, the tribe division, which okay. was uh, the seven and the yeah. whatever we were, it's five, the seven and the five. Okay, so. And uh, um, I was actually kind of, I was surprised that you had fallen on the side of the five, to be honest, yeah. because yeah. I thought you were going to relate a little bit better to um, some of the younger guys, not that you were relating yep. badly to them, but I thought for sure you were going to line up with those guys. Not re- relates yep. the wrong word. Like I felt like your alliance would, would, would fall into those seven. So when I saw that you were sitting on the other side of the tribe, I wanted to kind of get a sense about where you actually thought you were sitting in that tribe um, or where you were sitting on the side of the split. And so that was when I felt like we'd, we'd kind of had some chats, but not nothing concrete or anything really good. And I really felt like the only way to, 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 to suss you out was to just actually pull you aside and be pretty upfront about like, what are you thinking here? Like, where is your head at? Which way are you going? I seem to recall actually asking you, are we playing together? Yeah. Uh, I think one of the first questions was like, what do you think the split is? And you had given me your your impression of what what had happened there, and then I distinctly remember you. And this is this is when my in my mind I was like Jerry's got to go. Was <laughs> <laughs> asking whether we were going to play together, and you saying something along the lines of like Nah, I, I'm not looking to be a sidekick. I'm wanting to do my own thing, or something something along those lines. Yes, yes, and and I'm glad that you bring that up. And that that's how that's how I remember it. That's when you were like, nah, no way. And that was it. And then I was like, okay, Jerry's got to go. I can't play with you. Okay, sweet. Not that I wanted you to be in that sidekick role, but I just was like, ooh, that you're thinking about that. You're thinking about playing your own game and that doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, nah, totally fair. And you know what? Like, it's so funny because I was in that same position as you, bro. Like, as soon as I saw you on my mat, 
um, at the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. This is like perfect for um, my game because I have more options to, you know, see if I can mm. explore like, you know, the, you know, uh, Luke and David and Jerry thing. And I thought this is perfect. And then as the day kind of went on, I think it was about day two, um, like things started evolving and I started seeing that the seven like would go off on a thing. But also you had in that 48 hours, you had bonded really, really, really well with um, uh, Lockie. Yeah. And um, and I and every time I chatted to Lockie, I was always telling him, I was like, hey, Lockie, you know, it's clean slate. Hey? Like, I know we had a past, but I'm so keen to work with you. And every time I chatted with him, I just felt like it just wasn't coming together. And then I had a feeling I was like, if he's out to get me and he's going to paint me, then I feel like if I chatted with David, David would see Lockie's truth as facts. And it's now, and that's now fodder, right, for me against you with Lockie if you start having yeah. chats with me. Yeah, and so I just... So interesting you bring up Lockie, bro. I think actually Tarzan had the exact same experience with Lockie. I mean, Lockie's such a huge personality on that beach that it's hard for him not to be a key piece in the puzzle. Yeah, and and it's crazy because sometimes when when Lockie speaks, it's almost like people see as as truth. And I was like, there is no way, even if I try to um, turn against or even paint myself the way I want to portray myself to you I don't feel like you would have believed me as much as you would have believed Lockie and so I was like well I'm gonna I need to sever that and I was like in all honesty if I was to separate both of you I'd rather have Lockie in the game than a strategic person who's super super like sly like you yeah in the game so I what I had when you had approached me, I was already cautious. And so when you had approached me and the first thing you had said is like, what do you think of, of me? <laughs> and that was the minute where I was like, this question will basically like tell all. And I didn't know how to answer that question, to be honest. I was like, it's a, it's a good question I, to ask people, isn't it? Yeah, it was like, what do you think of me? And I was like, and I think I just fumbled, to be honest. Like, I I legit, someone passed the ball and I, I fumbled. And I was like, because <laughs> you had asked me that question. I was like, how am I supposed to, uh, like, give you that answer? And, you, and you had, I think you had asked everybody in your seven, um, what do you think of me? And I, everyone had said similar things. They want to work with you and stuff. And I think just like Luke, I mean, you know how Luke is. He likes to go against the grain. I just was like, at that point, I'm like, I'm not going to mm. give you the same answer yeah, as yeah. everyone. And so <laughs> which I, which just, I actually it, love, but hate, because it was yeah. me being said that too. <laughs> which, which though, was my downfall. Like, I could have easily just said, if I if I was, you know, kiss and said what you wanted to hear, I would mm. have just said this, like, you know, yeah, I do want to work with you. I've always wanted to work with you, but I just didn't because at that stage I was like, whatever I say, like I just feel like Lockie would counteract it and I would just feel like you would trust him more. And so that's when I had said and deviated from everybody else's typical answer, which was, yeah, I want to work with you. You're amazing. 
I, I ended up saying like something like in the lines of like, oh, I kind of do want to do my own thing. Like, I don't want to be like, yeah. I, I'm noticing you and Lockie are really close and I don't want to be a sidekick to that, which yeah. was the biggest thing. That was the thing that, that stuck out to you, which distinctively made you go, nah, there's no way it. I want to. That was the click, yeah. Um, which was, obviously that sucked. And But at the same time, I, I was like, whoa, I didn't realize how how significant that convo was. Well, sometimes that's it, right, is that you don't realize how significant a tiny piece of information or a tiny thing you've said can be to someone. Yeah, and for me at that time, I just thought, you know what, we could potentially work together, but It doesn't for have now, to be now, right? Yeah. Yeah, but from, that was how I was thinking, and and that's why it was it was a, such a blindside for me because I thought – Oh look, I'll I'll put him on on the. We'll put this conversation maybe in the future later and like touch base again. Mm. But um, for you, that was like signed, sealed, delivered. <laughs> and, and <you laughs> well, the the other thing about the five, right? That where I see now at seven five, you've sat, you're you're in that five. Wheels were already in motion with me and Matt. Uh, I was trying to figure out how to protect Moana. So I'd been floating the idea of Moana having a fake idol to AK and around camp to try and keep those guys protected. I was getting along really well with Tarzan. And to be honest, I didn't find Jackie to be a threat at that point at all. And so it just landed on you. And as soon as we had that conversation and you're the big threat that you are, you've been to the end of the game and it's such an easy sell to be like, hey, Jerry's already won, you guys. Like he knows what to do. And that's when that conversation came up. That uncoupled with the fact that we ironically got cookies, bro. Yeah. Like I have to tell you some of this thing. There was a lot there was a lot of conversations about how we could like what was gonna happen to these cookies. Like people were gonna take it into the <laughs> voting booth to say something about the cookie monster. Like people wanted to like eat cookies and put crumbs on you while you were sleeping type deal. <laughs> there was just so much, there was so much irony in the fact that there was this cookie alliance and the cookie monster was being left out. That it was just, it just had to happen when it happened. It was actually, you know what? I even said that it was destiny. And I reckon that if it was me getting eliminated in this entire season, it had to be that. that it, it had to be you know, it, it, like, it, it was just some cosmic irony, bro. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was really anything that you had done wrong. I think actually you were playing great on the first couple of days you were there. I think you had good relationships with people. It's just, yeah, it was just the timing of it and and that was it and then me pushing it through. It's so funny, hey, how much the first season has a huge factor into the second time you play because people's um, targets and threat level is totally different like it ranges like completely and um i mean this is just my opinion but i think there are some people in merge who made merge because they could do what they could do backflips and lie their teeth and still people won't see them as a threat and they Mm. won't they won't even see them in their periphery because they're just not going to be social like you know of a threat because of what had happened previously in this season yeah, and knowing yeah. how they play, and and so you go, oh, we can just 
they can they can we can leave them for now because they're not gonna they're gonna be harmless. Did you it's, did you do anything differently on All Stars than than you did on the first time you played? Like when you first landed on the beach, I think obviously there's that anticipation of having not played before. You're like, who are these people? You know nothing about yeah. them, so it's much easier to relate to those kind of people because you're just trying to find that common ground. Whereas in All Stars, it's a bit different because you know who people are. But did you do yeah. anything differently? Were you trying to go in there and be a bit more low key? Like what was your strategy coming onto the beach for All Stars and how was it different to what you did on season two? Yeah, it's so funny because obviously, like, I was one of the only two winners that came back. So I wasn't as agitated and nervous as the people that were coming back who had regrets and, you know. Yeah, because you, know, you have no regrets. I, I mean, yeah, like, I didn't have that. So I came into the game feeling, you know, fine. And um, when I came into the game, I if there was only one thing I regretted was that I wasn't playing big enough. You know, people even say it like we've had maybe before you had won, I think all four players were quite um, covert in, in the way now, they play. Now, full disclaimer here, I'm going to throw something at you. I have heard that the edit – uh, for season two actually downplayed a lot of your gameplay because obviously a lot of it goes to Luke because he was you know being set up as the fan favorite and stuff do you feel like you were true to the season two edit were you playing an under the radar game or do you feel like there was a lot of moves that you felt were yours that didn't get betrayed to be yours yeah so it's so funny that you say that thanks for um saying that and um you know it was so awesome to know in the finale as well, when I had won, um, you had, um, you know, everyone, and then even the host coming up to me, and he had said, Jonathan said, whispered to me while we were taking photos, he was like, oh, Jerry, just let you know, I'm so gutted that they didn't show, like, more of you and mm. your game. And it was so interesting because for, for me to hear that from the host himself was really a great validation for me to go, I did play a hard game mm. and it just didn't show because enough. Because, look, man, it's a pretty unfair for, thing for people to say, you know, especially like, I, and I hear it about a lot of the winners from the early seasons, you know, I'm not immune to, to hearing stuff in media, but it's it's based purely off of what was seen on TV and yeah. not a lot of stuff that is on the final version of the show uh, gets shown or happened in the way that it's shown. You know, there's a lot of stories that develop, obviously, as they're going through and they're like, you know, Luke Toki is a once-in-a-lifetime character for Survivor, for television, you know. He's an amazing dude. Of course you're going to give him a lot of those uh, story points so that people are sad when he leaves the game, you know. Um, And in a way, I think it probably downplayed a lot of what you were actually doing. Mm. Um, And... Yeah, and it, for, for hearing that, like, it's just super awesome to know that, you know, there are people who um, know that I had a few things that just wasn't shown. Um, I think that obviously there was moments where um, I can say proudly that with Henry's vote, for example, that mm. was huge. That was a huge one, but it was very hard to get into edit where – only one person took the credit. I know that was a multi-layer of um, like alliances, sub-alliances that um, worked together to get rid of him. But I honestly believe that I had the biggest part in getting rid of him. Yeah. He was so 
interested me at about throughout this whole entire game there was a point where i had nurtured our alliance and that was a reason why i gave him a, a cookie you know and um <laughs> I love that and, so much, by the way, dude. It was one of my yeah. favourite things from season two. It was huge because the way I was trying to do this thing was that I was never going to be like a Luke. He was always going to be the biggest um, character in terms of like personality. He was quite loud. And I positioned myself where I can um, put three kind of like horsemen around me. And, and that was Sarah, Luke and Henry. They were like really three big threats. And Pretty I wanted amazing them- shields right there. Yeah, and they were amazing, and they all trusted me, but they didn't trust each other, and so it was great. It was like perfect. I just know I just need them to not get rid of each other just yet, maybe until merge, because then that just means that I've got three, you know, voting blocks for the next couple of rounds, and um, and they'll probably get rid of them each other like throughout the whole time, and they would still trust me. And Henry was one of them, and there was a point when we got to merge, and. Um, he had told me um, the idol. He didn't tell anybody. Uh, he told, I think, like Annalise and Sarah um, before me. But when we got to merge, he had revealed it to me and showed me the idol. And then he really got to the point where he's like, oh, I want to go to the final three with you, me and Ziggy. And I was like, yeah. In my head, I was like, awesome. <laughs> but I'm like, You're right. As if, like, I, like, as if I'm going to go to the end with you. Like, you just went completely <laughs> And so I was like, yep, yep, let's sure, sure. You know, get, told him exactly what he wanted to hear. And um, the first thing I did was ran and, um, like, um, read it out, um, everything to mm. to both Sarah and Luke. And they were both like, oh, I knew he had an idol. Rah, rah, rah. Um, but my position in that um, in getting rid of him was that um, there was a point where he started having – withdrawals and thought that maybe he should play an idol that night he was going home and um he was like oh i don't know if i should play the idol i feel like i need to and i took him to a side we had a um chat at the beach and we went like legit like an hour chat and i just gave him like lies upon lies upon lies for him to trust me and that we had the numbers to get rid of peter and telling him not to play the idol yeah, well, I without saying play the idol. In, in fact, I wanted to be some somewhat. Oh, if you are gonna play the idol, bro, like awesome, that's great. But at the end of the day, like we do have the numbers, my bro. <laughs> you know, like, numbers. I'm like, I like you can use it. I feel like it is a waste, but mm. I just um, for you to use it on a set, a guaranteed seven against three, you know, he it's was be like, bad <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, you know what, let's, you know what, like, let's actually together, let's, mm. um, start writing it down on the, on the sand. So we got a stick and we wrote down, I was like, okay, who do you have? Who do you have? And I just like lied through, through my teeth just to make <laughs> that we had the numbers. And I was like, Oh, I'm pretty sure I have Luke, but, can you like just touch base with him too? And I think we might have Sarah and there was all of everything I was saying was full of crap, which obviously doesn't um, make the edit because everything that How I was that saying, explained? yeah, it's so hard to hard explain that. And mm. it doesn't come to fruition. It doesn't make sense on the edit. And, um, and then he was like convinced with that. And then there was even a point where um, Lockie was telling him, Oh, Jericho, don't trust Jericho. Everything mm. you're um, there was a there was a point where in the evening, um, Lockie was saying Jericho's a Jericho. 
don't trust Jericho. He's he actually tells him to play the yeah, idol, and he does. still trusts you and doesn't. Yeah, and even it was it was frustrating because even the 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 next so after that tribal council we got back, and in the evening of when we returned, Lockie um, at the um, at the camp was going, bro, Jericho, you legit made him believe that um you guys were together he's like you made a great move and ziggy was even saying going oh my gosh he just made a big move it was in front of everyone mm. but then it was like that night it just went straight to the next morning so none of that where people were saying jericho made a like big move we need to get rid of him blah 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 it just didn't come it through so I was like, yeah because obviously it was I think everybody at their own interview on, you know, IV, they were saying that um, that it was they were claiming it was their move. So it was very hard and it became really complex. And I was like, damn it, that's not my move. It looks like it's everyone else's move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is super complex. So, Jerry, you've you've felt like you've had a bit of an under the radar edit the first time. Yeah, you've won, but you're wanting to make a big splash right this time. So then you come back into All Stars and you decide what you want to play a bigger game this time. Yeah, and I think that was what I was clouded by because I was so keen to play big. And so um, I got caught up in this whole idea of playing big or go home. Mm. I've I've already won. I've got nothing to lose. Uh, And I guess I maybe tried to play hard and already, um, you know, show my cards a little bit too early and – I think there was a point where I did reveal my cards a little bit too early to AK and Phoebe, and I think they ratted me out and told you guys my moves. Is that right? Uh, do you remember specifically what you told them? And I can confirm or deny. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like there was a point where I wanted to split you and Lockie, and I told that to yes, AK. Yes, they did you out. <laughs> yes. Bastard, I knew it. And it was the thing, and I just felt, you know, I, I had this idea of, like, working with um, big threats and mutually benefit all of us. And I thought, look, I want to keep the big threats. And don't get me wrong, I, I really do believe you're the one of the, the biggest um, threat there, but you didn't want to work with me. So I was like, well, no, actually, go. we both didn't want to work with each other. So it was that point where I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, we have to get rid of this person. But it was, yeah, it just went to deaf ears. And I thought to myself, when I saw them walk towards you and Lockie, I was like, they just threw everything. (laughs) And I was like, damn it. I got so frustrated. And that's when I had a feeling. I was like, oh, I'm, there's no way um, I'm going to like get through this to the other side. But I did think that the, the vote that night was going to be Moana. So it was a big blindside for me. Well, you talk um, about, bro, like people going into the game and having something to prove, but in a way, like you have one of the biggest things to prove. Like you're coming back, you need to prove that uh, you yeah. can play a big game, that you do deserve to win. There was so much pressure on you in the game. Yeah. And um, I feel like uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there. I feel like you probably have the most pressure on you coming back into All-Stars as a returnee winner. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess the the weight of it wasn't so immense to the point where it over um, overwhelmed me. But it did like have that on my mind the whole time. Mm. I was thinking, shoot, like 
like I can play this game, you know, and show that I can um, play a badass game without the people that, you know, that I work with last time. Sarah wasn't there and um, Luke wasn't there and, you know, but then I realized like I'm also coming into a game with other people that I voted out, you know, AK was in my um, tribe. You had um, Jackie who was, you know, obviously salty too. And then Lockie as well, who went really far into the game with me. So he had a lot of information and also history of my game. And if anything he said, um, they people could use that as a resource or a reference to be like, well, yeah, he lived with him. He did everything in the game with him. So um, that was almost like a... There yeah, was a lot of season two on our tribe, huh? Yeah. So I think there was a total of um, five of the 12. Yeah, that's, um, oh man, I actually haven't thought that, of that before, yeah, but that's a yeah, lot of season so, two. Yeah, and so that's a lot of, like, references of, like, people. Um, Did the original Makuta have anyone from season two? There was six people, or seven people from season two, wasn't there? It was, so in my season, in Makuta, there was only um, Henry and uh, Who else was it? Michelle. Michelle, Henry that's and, it. Henry and Michelle, damn. The rest were on my side, so... It was very hard to try and like dodge them. Had you been? And, have you been friends with um, Lockie and AK outside the game? Those guys, or not so much? They're they're in a different state, so it's not like um, you know. Obviously, just acquaintances, we, but you guys are not like hanging out and, and yeah, being real like, friends. Yeah, I guess like we all have that WhatsApp group, and like I said, yeah, acquaintances, I suppose, mm. but. Not to a point where we're um, super close. We can't. We hang out. Like the only person that I've really maintained that that crossed over from contestant to friend was legit um, Luke and probably even Tara. That I would say that, but that's because we went to the end together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a very interesting bond when you've gone to final two with someone that that I just don't think you can um, escape that. It's yeah, forever bonded yeah. in that regard. Yeah, and so that was the thing. So I was like, I mean, I'll never use that to justify my elimination. I still, I do believe the downfall was that conversation and me being so, like just careless with the words that I said to you because that was the nail in the coffin, really. Yeah, but it's it's a there's a multitude of things, you know. It's there's just so much that happened to to get those wheels in motion. It's it's uh, it's a lot when you start thinking about it. But that is pretty intense. A lot of people from season two. And you're the returning winner. I actually was saying, like, well, I mean, like, I'm not a data person, but in our in our tribe, like, after me as a winner, there was no runners up, there was no final, there was no third place. I think the closest was Lockie, is it? Yeah, Lock. So, yeah. whereas if you look at Makuda, you had not just a winner, you had um, uh, two runners up, you mm. had a final three. Um, uh, uh, Michelle, who was final four, same with Shawnee, who was a final four. Like there was, there was a lot that makes about five or six of the tribe that's made it to final five, and so everyone could like have each other as almost like a thing to be like, well, oh yeah, you also made final two, but yeah. it was almost like for me, I had, I couldn't, I couldn't hide. It was it was I was super super exposed and there was it was the stupidest dumbest convos but it was like for example if I um if I was cutting coconuts Lockie would say oh no one of the girls would say you know oh you're so good at this and one of them was like oh that's because he got to the end and you know he, that's 
experience it. I'm just like, damn it, I can't even cut a bloody <laughs> They're watching everything you do. That's but, yeah. When did you get asked to play All-Stars? Um, so really early, actually. Uh, maybe mm. around April. Um, I know before... before oh, wow. Yeah, before May, definitely, yeah. Damn, dude. That's a lot of lead-in. Yeah, and I even had said to producer, I said, um, are you sure you want me? Because I'm happy to, I'm happy to just let the other people, um, you know, experience a second time because, you know, I've already won. I've experienced the win, and I know there's heaps of people from my season that are so worthy of it. And, and I guess I'm me, me being biased. I, I do feel like my season had amazing players, and if they were sat next to me, the right people that sat next to me, I wouldn't have won. Like there is no way in how maybe a good eight of eight seven that that was in the merge that legit played like me hats off played such an amazing game that it would be very hard for me to compete and that's why I made sure that timing and timing and who I brought to the final at least four or five was so vital in my game because there was just so many great players. That's just me being like as humble as i could that's that is very humble yeah. thing and, and, and it's not me trying Jerry. to ever downplay my game i do feel like i played like a really good game and I, I really think i did um but um like we had a high caliber of players and you definitely it, did. yeah and it was um, a great season the way they were going at it i was like there is no way these guys are I have to let that I would never let them get far into the game. And that's why there was like so many blind sides after blind sides at merge. And I think you see that even in your season, like you saw like great players right at the beginning of merge get chopped away before they even had shot at final five or mm. four, you know? Yeah. And that's the game, isn't it? Mm. It's like being able to get out people that you think are doing better than you. At and that, that point yeah, of and the that's game. why there are so many. You know, you would even say there's why there's a reason why there's people who were in season f in this All Stars that are pre-merge players because mm. they were good. Oh, most definitely, dude. So, what is the experience like for you when that vote finally comes down? You're like, oh, it's me. Are you? Did you have? You said you were blindsided by the vote. Uh, when your name first comes out of the urn, what's that feeling like? Because it's never mm. happened to you before. Um, bro, it was it was strangely weird, but I wasn't. Yeah, so I wasn't as I wasn't as gutted as I thought I would be. I mean, I thought I was going to get cut, but man, it was it was. I mean, it's still gutting, but it wasn't like as deep as people's experiences you know and how they've experienced it so when i did get the torch knife i was like damn and then the next day i was like oh yeah all right i guess i'm watching this whole season like blindly and that's how i looked in fact i felt like it was i felt more gratitude for it happening when it did yeah there's there's far worse places to get voted out i think there's a lot of that pressure of being like oh i don't want to be the first boot but it's not like you know, I feel like you make it all the way and you come third or you come second, that's hard to deal with, bro. You've put in almost mm. 50 days and then you're walking away from the game Because like for that. you, that's you tough. said to like just before, you had said like it was mentally like 
you know, difficult when you had got the elimination. Um, and that was your first time, right? Um, and that was only merge. Yeah. But for you, like, why was it so hard hitting for you? I just think uh, you just get so invested in the bubble, like in, in the game itself and, and what's happening and you've got all these plans and all these moves and it's almost like uh, I'm going to acquaint it to like someone <gasps> dying in your family. It's just gone. You know what I mean? And then it's gone and all these cool plans you had to go on picnics and do fun stuff, all this unfinished business you've got yeah, is never going to get resolved. I mean, I never you get experienced to being in the jury, but what was it like for you sitting in the jury and seeing that the game was still playing and you couldn't be part of it? Oh, it was crazy. It was brutal. And, like, I got asked to play All-Stars as soon as I yeah. left. Yeah. Uh, got voted out, like, doing that walk down the path. And you're like, what just happened? Trying to piece things together, do your little interview, pulled me into a side room, will you play All-Stars? And I was like, oh, this is my chance to yeah. get back in the game now. Uh, obviously, it wasn't. They didn't let me back in the game. But, yeah, it's hard. And to be honest, man, the fact that Sean Hampson is so – like well adept at the game he knows so much about survivor and it didn't really get shown but he's such a keen uh strategist in the game we just decompressed for like five days about everything and that's what made me okay but i was fully like hiding food around my room putting m&ms in a drawer that i could get later the idol that i was voted out with i was convinced they were going to take that away from me so i was like hiding that in the <laughs> roof panel every day like checking it was there like every couple of hours it was i was, yeah. I was lost oh how funny but i mean speaking of um it was heavy flipping sean i was surprised he wasn't on the island mm. i thought if we're talking about rivalries here you were you and him had the craziest stories he he was asked he was asked, but I just think he, he had spent so much time away from his family. Bro's got a young family, uh, and Megan was just kind of like, <laughs> no way. would he? <laughs> I, think she, I think he'd think about it differently now, having seen All-Stars play out and being a bit further removed for it from it. And I think if they got the chance to play some kind of blood versus water season, both of them would definitely play. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it just was too, too much of a time and straight for him. Wouldn't that be good, hey, seeing that? That would have been good. I would love to get a chance to actually play with Sean as opposed to against Sean, but he's also a guy that's so dangerous that you just are like, well, he's got to go as soon as possible. And that thing, bro, like it's so fascinating to play another time and it's almost like you you have this, mm. you fantasize on wanting to play with someone, but then you know they're good. So it's like that, how do you like, get <laughs> yeah. that paranoia yeah. out of your head but wanting to make Oh, you can't. It doesn't go away. <laughs> Would you play again? Um, that's a hard question, bro. I think I've, like, maybe in the next, if it's still alive, I mean, if it's still going, but, like, I, I wouldn't, I don't think in the near future. Definitely not in the near future. No way. No. I think I'm, like, overwhelmed with it. Interesting. In terms of, like, Survivor's been an amazing season in my life. Uh but I also believe, mm. like, there's so much more aspects in my life that I want to explore that uh, that I won't be able to do if I just continue with this path of survivor life, you know? Interested in doing any other television? Um, I mean, look, I've seen you, you bastard, trying to have <laughs> her up with um, Luke on an amazing race. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm like, if you take that, that's that's all I've got. Like, <laughs> I'll let you guys do amazing race. Now, I'm looking for hosting. Now, actually, you two would be an amazing thing, uh, like um, partner to rock up and do amazing race. Maybe they'll let us do a uh, a three trio. Yeah, look, let's be honest. That'd be cool. Trios, trios. I was like, how can I not say three way? And you said trio. <laughs> that's the word to use. <laughs> Maybe they'll let us do a three way. Yeah. Trio, Maybe and and it's trio. so crazy, hey! Like how crazy that it's tri- like Survivor. This experience that we've gone through, the three of us, like, has gone out out of this game well financially. Like, and I, me and always talk about this, and we always <laughs> yeah. laugh because we're like, we never thought we'd be friends if we if Survivor never even happened, you know. And now we're both financially both yeah. okay and. You are as well. And it's so funny that you're tied up with him too. And I'm just like, holy man, this is insane. Yeah. What's your life like? It's pretty cool. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know you outside of this game. I really haven't really hung out with you outside of this game. But what, yeah, nah. What's Survivor, what's post Survivor like since you left, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, it's like all COVID-related stuff is changing things. In a way, that's been good. that's been good because it's stopping me from spending yeah. money stupidly. <laughs> you know, because I think if a, if COVID wasn't on right now, I would be blowing through this yeah, right. cheddar at the moment. Uh, so that's been kind of a like you know, kind of controlling <laughs> me, which is good. But you know, we're just you know doing the best we can. There's a lot of people I want to catch up with and spend time with and like get to mm-hmm. know from the show and 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 that kind of stuff and. You're one of them, actually, where I'm like, man, I'd really like to get to know Jerry. Just purely because I know how close you are to Luke. And I'm like, man, Luke knows good people. And yeah, man, it's good, no, good. So what what's your winning experience like, man? You come into that final tribal council. Are you feeling very confident you're going to win? What is your decision to take Tara to the final two? Like, I know a lot of people talk about you um, getting yeah. rid of Tessa off the jury. Do you, like, how is that all going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, I'm not out? sure what people have said with that, but the way I looked at it was trying to be analytical. Well, people, let me just clarify. I think people generally... Uh, think that you getting rid of Tessa yeah. was a mistake, which is from jury. Did you feel like? Did you feel like that after the fact, or were you like, nah, I made. It, I mean, okay. obviously, you didn't make the, the mistake. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's really interesting that they say that. Um, so there's four of us in the game still, right? Yeah. Well, can I ask you one more question before you get into that answer? Is she mad at you for getting rid of her from the jury? At the time, yeah, but now we're like super good mates, like post. Oh, I'd be so pissed if you voted me post? off the jury. Oh, yeah. So I think post, like, she's, you know what? She, okay. Oh. She had, um, had, this is what had happened. There was a point where I did have this advantage. And um, at that time, there was about, there was about me, my, me, Michelle, Peter, and Tara that were still left in the game. And the way mm. I looked at it was that analytically, Peter had a really, really tight alliance with Tessa. Lockie and Tara were like the Luke and Jerry, right? And Michelle had nobody. Mm. Michelle didn't have any friend like that. And so I was like, okay, I don't have to think Mm. about her. And the way I looked at it was, okay, um, I got to really suss out Tessa. And if Tessa is giving me vibes that she will vote for Peter, if he makes final two, then there is no way I would be able to like – yeah, she's got to go. She's and so go. that's how I was looking at it. I wasn't thinking about 
who was going to answer my question yeah. um, better because it's not about that. It was to me, it was about eliminating the people that wouldn't vote with me if any of these three made it to yeah. final two. So I never even, I wasn't thinking about Tara in the final two at that time. I was thinking about any of these guys being in the final two because I couldn't predict he was going to be in the final two with me. So when 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 do you when do you make that choice? Like when are you like yeah? Um, it was the the it was always going to be Tara, but I did consider Michelle at, at like at some point. Yeah. Um, but it was never going to be Peter. Peter was always going to be out, but I couldn't rule out the idea that. Peter was going to make final two. That was that was my way of um, my way of reasoning of getting rid of Tessa because I was like, if I ruled out the idea that he was never going to make final two, then like that's just a bit silly because what if he does and I still kept Tessa in the final? Um, and, and you know, she was definitely. Sure, yeah. I even asked her after Survivor and I said, "Would you have voted for me?" Um, even if you thought that I played a better game than Peter. And she's like, no, I would have voted for my friend. Okay, so there you go. Made the right choice, bro. So at the time at the time you make that decision, a lot of it is related to like her possibly voting for Peter, who you're possibly going to the final two with. Correct. Peter got a bit of a purple edit, right? Like, was he playing like a super good game or do you think he just was had a lot of friends on the jury? Was the reason you didn't want him to go to the end? Not much was shown of Peter's game. Yeah, and I think because obviously it was heaps of personalities. They were super loud personalities as well. But um, I guess also yeah. I'm not sure if he got the respect that he could have wished for from um, many people. Mm. Like Lockie didn't give him the respect that of, of a player at all. I'm not sure Luke did. Mm. And when you have someone like that, like, um, I mean, you, you, you're thinking to yourself, great, it'll be awesome to have you in the final um, um, too. But then you also, he also like connected really well with the Tessas, you know, and the Ziggy. And the Jareds, who yeah, are totally, a little bit yeah. more reserved. Yeah. And for me, these were people from the Samatau tribe that I never, ever met. I never got to uh, um, experience a s tribe swap. So for me, I was more um, concerned about these. Yeah, there's people you haven't spent any time with on the jury. Yeah, yeah. a single time. And they're basically um, voting based on what they know or like hearsay. And, and if you had someone like Peter who they yeah. experienced like a whole 30 days together, I'm like, there's no way I'd want to sit that with someone. Whereas Tara, she did get technically eliminated by them. So I had a better shot with her in the final two because... Yeah, to at the very least be able to be like, well, she was voted out. She was voted out and she wasn't really liked. And, and she also came to um, hmm. Asanga when it was a tribe swap. And so she she felt like, you know, she was more Asanga than with the summer towel. And that's why I felt like, great, this is a great opportunity for me to use this as leverage in the final two and be able to go, well, um, you'd rather choose me over this this girl who you guys never really liked and got along with anyways. That's it. And a lot of it is decision-making at the time with the best information you have. Like you can't sit down and be like in retrospect looking at the edit like, oh, no, okay, maybe I shouldn't have voted out Tessa off the jury. Like you do make that decision at the time and it might not have – it doesn't even really get shown whether it was a good decision or not because you're not – you're not watching it post, you're not watching it being edited. You're there making that decision at the time. And I mean, it sounds to me like it was the right decision. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, 
Um, I think people were thinking, well, the alternative was to get rid of, uh, I think, Annalise. But Annalise voted for me, and same with Jared. What about what about Lockie, bro? Did you consider getting rid of Lockie, considering how tight he was with Jared? Yeah, Dara? but you know I mean, what's so time, crazy? Dudes. Like, um, this was another one. So when he had asked me at the final t- to his question, I think you were allowed two questions. I'm not sure what the structure mm. is now, but um, everyone had two questions. And I'm not sure if that one question was asked, but he had said, um, it didn't make the edit, but he had said to me, what what was your biggest move and your most pr- proudest move and why do you think that's, like, deserving of the million dollars or the half a million dollars? And, um, and yeah. Tara so um, answered it with the most dumbest answer. I think she was just like, oh, I worked with you or something, and that was it. And I was like, dumb. That was lame. <laughs> and, like, you know, and I had revealed to him, like, um, not just the cookies, but I also said that I stole your friend. And I was like, she was never loyal to you. She was loyal to me. And that's the reason why she got mm-hmm. rid of you, um, because – there was a point. There was there was a there was a, a locky blindside in place before you even won all those three um, immunity idols, um, but you had no idea of that. And he was he and you know I had said all of these things to make sure that I had made him believe that I did play a better game strategically, and he was sold. But then on mm. but then he um, he ended up changing his vote at the um, voting booth and just felt like, oh, it's, she was his best friend. And he, I think he did it. He's because, an emotional he's an emotional fellow, Locke. Yeah, but I, but I also think that he voted knowing that even with his vote, there was enough votes for me to win in a way. It ends up, it ends up being 4-5, correct? 6-3. 6-3, that's right. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, so it ends up being 6-3, um, which is still, I mean, that's a pretty convincing margin, but for Lockie to sit there and be like, I think he's got it, I'll yeah, just give yeah. it to Tara. Um, it's still, I mean, you could ask him the same question, but I'm pretty sure he basically said that he was going to vote for me, but um, he was like, oh, nah, I can't do that to Tara. She was my closest ally. And I guess it's like funny, hey, because like mm. if I saw Luke in the final two and someone played a bit of the, I'm not sure, hey, like you get so like, I've never been in that position, so I wouldn't know. But yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, but it's anyway. a tricky one because you guys have shared so much mutual experience together too. To then go against it, be like, oh, there's this part of you that wants to be like, well, it's the game. I vote for the best game player, but there's this human side of you that's like, well, that's my that's my homie <laughs> right there. I got to vote for him regardless. Yeah, exactly. So you're in that final tribal, bro. Are you feeling pretty confident about the pitch? Are you like, I am killing. Oh, her bro, right there now. was a moment where I fumbled. And I think it's just because there are, there were moments where I just was so stressed out because they I mean, you've so experienced intense. it, my bro. You know what it feels like. And, yeah. um, you know, it's almost like bullet after bullet after bullet. And, and you think, oh, yeah, I dodged one. And then someone comes up with this other one. <laughs> Do you remember how long it went? No, man. I, it just felt like it was never ending. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, never ending. There was a point where um, I just got, um, you know, drilled by Sarah. And it was it was a hard one for me because I considered Sarah, like, if, if Luke wasn't, you know, my number one, she was legit just right behind him. 
Um, Those are the ones that are really hard to handle when it's like an unexpected attack, right? When you're like, wait a minute, we've been like super close homies and now you're like, put it on me. That's exactly it. And, and, um, and I thought that perhaps all of those like little things that I said, the little digs that I said um, in tribal council were, um, you know, enough for her to go, oh, Jerry's just playing around. That's just Jerry. Mm. Um, because they were, like, some of my little mm. me- metaphors that were just silly, was just out of, like, pure, um, you know, just exaggeration. But the real relationships that we had on the island was legit so, so super tight that I actually think that me and her pulled off some of the greatest moves um, because mm. we trusted each other. And then um, she obviously – you know, questioned me about my integrity as a person when it came to, um, she says, you know, Jerry's talk about in your introduction of this whole tribal council, you said that um, you're, you're in, in real life, you're a good person and you, you treat people uh, with care and everything like that. But um, this whole time you've just said that you've been playing everyone. So I don't even know who you are and you're, mm. Like who, I don't know who you are. And I was like. That that dichotomy of like owning your moves, but also doing it in a way where you can not alienate people is very tough. Yeah. And I think I just like stumbled upon her question because I couldn't, ex- I think I just couldn't explain myself. A little unexpected too, right? You probably wouldn't expect yeah. it from her in the same. Yeah. I just got stunned because I was like, I, I, I didn't say this at the tribe councils, but um, I did I was thinking to myself, I was like, bro, you know me, like our relationship's real, you know? Um, But she, that was super surprising. And I think I just fumbled and I like completely said the dumbest things. And then that just made her even question me more. And um, yeah, I just screwed up. I was like, damn. Yeah. So, so before you're going into this um, final tribal council and you're just running numbers in your head, are you thinking, look, I've got a six, three, I've got a seven, two, what are the numbers you're, you're thinking of? I sincerely thought that I was going to have an 8-1 vote. And, Mm. um, you know, I really thought that Sarah was for me because she was my other person. Mm. Um, And, in fact, it ended up becoming a 6-3. And the three people that didn't vote for me was Sarah, Lockie, and Peter. I understand Peter because I didn't take him to the end. But I had this feeling that I could sway Lockie because Lockie had been talking about every tribal council mm. that he would vote for someone with a better gameplay and mm. Tara just didn't have that um, and so that's why I thought I could potentially come away with an 8-1 win. And, and what do you think was behind the Sarah vote? Have you guys had a chance to, obviously there's been time to unpack that, like what do you, what does she say like what was behind her vote for Tara? Oh yeah, from from what We've chatted about it was because I think at that time she was just emotional. And at that Mm, time. Survivor emotions. Yeah. I think she was gutted that I voted against her on her night of her elimination. And then I, I said those words about her as a drowning cat. And so a little bit uh, of payback, you think? Yeah, I think that was it. And Ooh. she did say that. She did say that, you look, yeah, I should have voted for you. There is no way I thought Tyra played a better game. And I was like, I, I, I was like, as long as you don't think that 
Tara played a better game because if you did, then that's a fair fair vote. I don't give a vote. <laughs> then now we've got a real problem. Yeah, that's what I was saying. But if you really believe that she did play a better game, then I'm not going to, you know, try and fight mm. for that vote. But if you don't think so, then that my question is why then did you vote for her? So you guys cool now? Yeah, oh, we're sweet. We like <laughs> love about it. If anything, we just go, oh, you know. But legit, like, it's so funny because the irony of this whole thing is that the people that I screwed over are super, like, we're super close. For example, like yeah. Tessa, who I voted out out of the jury, she invited like four or five people to um, her wedding to in France, and one of them was me. Yeah, <laughs> and like the rest of them were people from Summertow, and I was the only Asanga person that was invited. And I was like, "You, you didn't end up with food poisoning or anything after the wedding, did you?" No, I so mean, you get a little payback there. <laughs> <laughs> Come to the wedding, Jerry. Her fingers crossed. No, but do you feel like, bro, in your season, uh, like you feel like there was some harsh in both season, if anything, that you feel like, oh, you, you. you you went a little bit too far or that you felt like, oh, damn, did I do this and almost severed relationships? Oh, How- yeah. There was definitely things I felt like probably went a little too far. But uh, I think oh, that's just the game out there. I, I describe it a little bit as it like think about your worst day in real life and mm. then don't eat and don't sleep. Mm. Of course you're going to have a grumpy day on camera or you're going to do something where you're like – I got more nervous about some of the IVs I gave where I was just like ripping into some people and I'm like, oh, I hope they don't show that one this episode. <laughs> and obviously sometimes they do they do show, but when you're just at your worst, man, and like you feel like someone's trying to get you out of the game, whoo, it gets a little nasty. Yeah, Buzz, because like you get, you know, the ball rolling and sometimes you do feel like that. Sometimes there are mm. moments where like, a Jackie who was tr- trying to touch you at nighttime because you were dry out there. <laughs> you know, like little things like oh, that. Man. This is wrong, uh, right? So you want to vent out to – you can't vent out to your people because the people in your tribe are the people that's going to vote you out. So you have to mm. vent out somewhere else, and that's the people on the camera. And, of yeah. course, you do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you're venting. So, yeah. But, I mean, all's, all's fair in love and war. And Survivor, in my mind. I just think that we're there to play the game, but we're there to entertain as well. And a lot of that entertainment is the rivalries and the trash talk. And I think that's exactly. both something we probably excel at. So it's yeah. part of the course, man. Some of it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be bad. <laughs> and I think that's the beauty of this whole Survivor thing. Because, again, like um, the people who do really, really embrace this game um, mm. understand that it, it is an entertainment show but Mm. also um in all of this whole thing in all essence it is a game it's like a board game you play it with your friends it really does your head in sometimes you get so frustrated with them but after that you go back to your normal life right yeah 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 most definitely that's it and and it's you got to keep reminding yourself that you are going to go back to your normal life you know yeah that's how you keep it grounded i suppose Uh Unless you've heard people who's played Monopoly and they're not friends anymore after that. Jumanji, bro. <laughs> no way. Have you legit have had a friend, no friends with since Jumanji? <laughs> uh, only only really? inside and outside the game. 
Dude, uh, so you guys are sitting there. You're sitting there at the reunion show. You're getting the full reunion experience. They're reading out the votes. What's that like when it's not just one vote for Tara? It's two votes for Tara. It's three votes for Tara. Is that uh, get a little puckering in the old butthole there? Yeah, I was like, holy crap. I was like, what did I do to, to piss? The way I was looking at this is like, it's not because they voted for her that she did, played. Did you it. know you'd won prior to taping the reunion? No, you know what I wanted. You had to a good feeling, or enjoy, I wanted to enjoy the whole surprise thing, so I didn't try and pry any mm. answer from anyone. The only person that did tell me, and it was because you know Lou, oh, like, and, yeah. and he, dirty bugger. I know. <laughs> I went up to him and I said, "He goes, come visit me in Perth," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll fly in." I was like, "But just don't tell me, right?" And he's like. Yeah, no, no, I won't. And I was like, okay, sweet. And then as soon as he picks me up from the airport, he was like, so, bro, anyways, when I voted for you, and I was like, bro, you're not supposed oh. to Why? And he's like, well, who else was I going to vote for? You reckon I was going to vote for Tara? And I was like, no, but still, like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he thought that was that, a given. Yeah, like, and that's why it was a surprise to me when I had found out, you know, um, there was, was three. a nice uh, surprise it is. Are you yeah, feeling like? Are you feeling elated? Are you feeling relieved? Are you feeling guilty? What's what's that like? Uh yeah, I was, I was, I guess, like, it was such an experience, man. Even like getting, like, the validation from the whole jury that you know you deserve the win, and like, in all honesty, again, like I say, I say that um, like carefully, but I do believe that season two was so special because it was. It was with a whole lot of strangers. You had not met anybody, and the whole feels really organic when you play with a cast mm. that you no one knows. You don't know their background, and you um, create these relationships. And then at the end of it, that that they have collectively said that you are deserving against the person that you're sitting next to. And then even after that, at the live reunion, you had. When I when I had been revealed that I was the winner, the whole entire cast ran up to me to like you know hug me and I mean I'm not sure if you've seen the oh, finale, but they yeah, all ran yeah. up. I wish I I wish I got hugs, but I was socially <laughs> distant. I mean I'm not trying to. Um, <laughs> trying to rub that in, Jerry? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, you literally. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Like you did have an opposite experience. You know, well, I think only half. You didn't the even people. show up for my finale, bro. Yeah, because I was so salty. No, <laughs> I was like, "Stuff you! You don't deserve any. I don't, you don't deserve my presence. That's it." No, just joking. Um, not even the two winners came to congratulations to congratulate you. Cold blooded, cold blooded. Yeah, no, you you really did. Like it was, um, it was a bit of a different experience to yours, and it's because you're your your restrictions, obviously. But from, but it's for, so good, isn't it? Like that just whole whole moment yeah. of people being there, the validation of your game. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, like running to you, and then um, and and it was so awesome because it just it also made a massive reflection on the cast, which is that that we all didn't take it to heart, and we all knew mm. we were playing the game, and um, and we just had fun, and I think that's. I think, um, I mean, I'm going to say this, like, uh, again, like my personal opinion, but I feel like season two and four were very similar in a way that the merge um, respected the game and just had fun with it and embraced it. And that's yeah, totally. why it was, it was such an entertaining 
two seasons to watch. Uh, not, no hate on season one and three, but I do feel like you can tell the difference if you watch both seasons, yeah. uh, all four seasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'll pay that for sure. Uh, what do you What do you spend the money on? Um, so, like, I know about the Lukey trip to Disneyland, which is yeah, very so nice the, of you, by the way. What a what a uh, lovely gesture. Oh, thanks, my man. Um, but apart from that, bro, um, I did take my time as well. I think it was important that I um, wasn't quick to use it. Um, mm. And I thought carefully and I decided to buy a house. Eh? And so now oh, uh, I think weeks until it's completely built and I move in. Oh, man, that's pretty exciting. How long did you say? So, uh, four weeks until it, oh, I basically. Oh, Amazing. So it's, it's um, a big milestone for me. I didn't, never thought in my life I'd ever – buy a property um for myself but yeah it's about to change your life right huge bro huge mm. thanks Tim. well congratulations man uh it was a pleasure watching you on season two i know we're going to get a good chance to hang out together at some point once all this covid no. business is over um but yeah lovely to talk to you bro and thank you very much for your insights on the game Thanks, my man, bro. It's a pleasure um, yarning with another winner, though. Hey, yeah, Holy winners' chats, life. baby. <laughs> um, it's awesome to you know um, chat with you, Golden God. Um, I actually <laughs> thank I, you, Cookie hey, Monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, mad respect to you. Brilliant, man. You too. Uh, all right, we'll chat to you soon. Take it easy. Thank you. Bye. And that's it for today. Thank you very much to Jerry for calling in from isolation in Melbourne and to you guys for listening. My theme music is Tidal Wave by Strange Weather. Production by Sean Brennan in New York City. Catch you guys on the next one. Stay golden. Keep